you're listening to Marianne Writes a Programming Language. And I'm Marianne. Welcome to part two of my episode on uncertain types. The goal of implementing uncertain types is to build models that estimate system fragility. In other words, not just whether a constraint can be violated, as with formal verification, but an estimate of how likely that violation actually is. My thinking is, Fragile systems will have lots of paths that end up violating a constraint. Small changes in one part of the system will compound easily into undesirable states. Resilient systems, on the other hand, will have few scenarios that violate constraints, and those inputs will be very unlikely. If I've lost you already, I would recommend going back to some of the old episodes, specifically episode 2, episode 7, and part 1 of Uncertain Types, last week's episode. In that episode, I did a deep dive on probabilistic programming, and we heightened my anxiety around creating these kind of models with the approach laid out in the uncertainty paper from Microsoft Research. Using probability distributions, it feels like a scalpel. No, change that. It feels like a robot laser, not a tool for every problem. The approach may work for a subset of use cases, but are those use cases relevant for what I want to do with fault? And even if I understand the math well enough to use the techniques effectively, my language will have to help the user understand the appropriate way to build models. A tool that helps people come to false conclusions is not a helpful tool at all. So we needed to call in reinforcements. Luckily, I have friends who are willing to give their time to brainstorm solutions with me. Um, do you two actually know each other? I know kind of like both no, in the New hi. York tech scene for a while. Okay, <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, for a minute there. I was I'm living in New York from 2013 to 2016. So okay. that's roughly the time frame. I was the social about. person then. I don't know. Uh, I'm Eric. Yeah, and I'm Beric, So Beric. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I swear to God, I did not realize their names rhymed until that exact moment. (laughs) Now, there are three things we're going to go through as we talk here, all of which are linked in the show notes on the dev community. First is the Uncertain Types paper from Microsoft Research. Then there's an example implementation that Beric started working on when I told him what I was trying to do. Lastly, there's an example implementation in C-sharp from the authors of the paper. This may be a little tricky to follow along to, but I'll do my best to fill you in on the missing details as we go along. It's all coming back to me. Um, Was that uh, there's no magic here, though I just, okay. Uh, it's uh, sorry. I'm gonna make noises as I like <laughs> remember what I was up to. Um, so from the reference implementation, the way the reference implementation works is that they have their base basic unit of something is the type in question and a weight. I think, and so everything feeds forward. And the way they're doing it is they're using link in C sharp to. Um, essentially write the queries and the for loops and stuff that I'm going to do manually anyway. Um, And generally speaking, the idea is that if you have two, and this is all from this part of the paper, there's one part of the paper I remember being really, really helpful here. Let me see if I can uh, do my thing here. Uh, Uh, 
Yeah, okay. That's where I left off last night's on the other stream. Um, I can still hear you, but I won't be able to see it because um, of KVM switching on. Uh, and I think I still have that window with all the stuff in it open. Uh, it's a little fuzzy. Sure. Um, let's see if I can see where I left myself off, if I left myself off anywhere. Oh my God, I thought I had a tab problem. This is insane. <laughs> um yeah i think i've already cleaned up since january it's been a bit um anyway let's see uh there pull up the paper uh it's in the um yeah, okay here's the reference implementation it is at least in my history yeah and uh let's see um it, it's in the it's in the calendar invite if you don't remember it there it is i am microsoft research today yeah there we go yeah, yeah, yeah the most useful bit of this entire paper for me was this little thing right here. What he's referring to here is a figure called uncertain types, operators, yeah, and methods, right which groups operators into arithmetic operators, like uh, plus or minus, equality operators, less than, equal to, uh, logical operators, and or not, then sampling methods, and hypothesis testing. Then the figure specifies what types come in as input and what types come out as values. In other words, if you write uncertain type variable A is equal to uncertain type variable B, what's returned is not a true or false, but a distribution of trues and falses, right? The idea being that there are two or three different types we're actually talking about here. Yeah. One is this is the general uncertain type of type right. T in general type t ends up being mostly a float <laughs> right yeah basically um bernoulli is uncertain type t only where this is a bool right um and again this is sort of a float if you represent a bool as like a 50 50 thing mm -hmm. or a weighted thing but let's go with a bool for the moment um and then a sampling distribution is the same thing except for there are no um it's literally just a, a materialized array of values right where these are uh, population statistics uh, population statistics like median uh, like like mean and uh, standard deviation right, right, right this is actually just a raw list of values whatever they may be yep right cool and this all works very well as you move as you kind of move things forward or if you run through all these operators uh and even the sampling methods outlined here because you can sample things and you can combine different things. And it's an optimization to say that um, I can combine the means and standard deviations if there's a meaningful way to do so. Right. Um, if there's any quali quality, obviously says, yeah, it's either Boolean output. So that's why this is a Boolean output. Same with the logical things. Um, if there's no good way of doing so, we just sample the heck out of it. Um, and you could then turn that back into a thing, sort of, kind of, but then you're losing something. And I, I didn't go that far. So yeah. that that was actually one of my core questions with like implementing this for my purposes, right? Is that my feeling from reading the paper is that the bulk of the, what they were talking about was assuming that you're dealing with independent variables. And because I'm constructing a model, they're all dependent variables, right? Yep. <laughs> so they were sort of talking about like, this is how you do it with dependent variables. And they lost me a little bit on, on the math there, but I was actually wondering like, is the best way forward to, um, figure out how to 
represent these probability distributions and do basic operations on them. It was the best way forward to actually have the distribution. And then when the model is running, draw like a certain sample of likely values and a certain sample of unlikely values, and then run the model a bunch of times with those val the values to get to the, the same conclusion that I want, which is like how much of an impact does an outlier value have in the performance of the model? Let's take that sentence. That was a very good sentence. I think that will cover like the entire hour and more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let's try and take that down like, uh, like piece by piece. So um, independent and dependent variables. And that's the conditional probabilities I also had trouble with. Um, because what I wanted to say was what I was trying to figure out that I kind of only got part of the way into before I needed to really refactor everything was the whole trace of how I got here. That's how I was implementing it. That may not be the right way to do it, but that's the way I was thinking about it. Okay. Which is I could, instead of, uh, imagine these are like all things that are flowing through each other, right? Like mm -hmm. I have an and operation and then I flow into an or and a whatever, right? And these all, they're independent in the sense that I don't have any memory on them. But if I add memory to them, so I say, okay, I initially sampled this from here and it had this value here and I, and because it had this value here, it had this value here and then, then it had this value here after I did this to it, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have an output sample where the sample gives me its entire history of how it got there and all the variables that it went through to get there. Yeah. Then I can write a, a function on saying, okay, well, look at your history and tell me based on your dependent, like based on the thing that I'm depending on whether I want to do this or not. So this is, um, and this is where they were using link to effect in the C-sharp implementation is essentially, this is a where clause on the history, right? Uh, it's a uh, thing where, let's see, because I know all the history of everything and I'm doing something like improbability of X given Y and I know Y is somewhere in the chain of X. I can then say, okay, I'm going to iterate through all the X's, find the cases where that Y was true because it's in the history of X. Mm -hmm. And then that's my sample. I, and I reject anything else that's not. Have you ever seen a probabilistic graphical model implemented? Because I'm just going to uh, say no. Because no. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know I have never seen that. I haven't. Okay, so um, PGMs, literally that's the goal of PGMs, right? You start with... I've implemented PGMs before. They're really, you know, they're kind of they're kind of trivial. Um, so so in the paper they talk about Bayesian networks, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, all right, I gotta pull it up because I don't. I mean, so like some some somehow this paper was very confusing to me, honestly, because they like mentioned Bayesian networks a bunch of times and they just kind of like list like look at all these machine learning things. Look at all these machine learning things. <laughs> yeah, like, never really. I don't know. It was just very confusing to me. It's like, you're not giving formal definitions on anything and you just keep mentioning the benefits. And it's like, if you repeat it enough, so see, we introduce a Bayesian network semantics and like they use this a lot, but they never really define a Bayesian network beyond like some trivialized thing. Right. So like, mm -hmm. this is what they're saying is a Bayesian network, but not really. Right. To be honest, <laughs> you know, this is this is like their notion of addition, right? And so if a if if these are not independent, like like if you have one Gaussian, it's conditional on another one, 
um, then like, you know, you would just, you can just implement a, a, a PGM. Um, so like there's, you know, I worked on PGM Pi back in the day. Um, so like this, this, I mean, they've changed the reference API so much since I contributed to it, but I think it's still, I think it's still in here, the thing I wrote. Um, but I would look at this, like this okay. is, this is like a good place to go if you want to understand how the conditional probabilities are going to, you know, connect. Um, yeah, the PGM Pi's implementation is 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 perfectly adequate, I think, for your for your needs for conditional probabilities. And then it looks like, you know, Beric, it looks like you've got everything else. You know, <laughs> just chain that through that, then you're you're set. I'm going to try to reason you through it, but I'm going to fail probably in just crap. I haven't looked at this reference implementation in a long time. Uh, it might be too hard for me to walk you through what they have. Yeah, okay. They've really cleaned this up. When I did it, it was garbage. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I, really bad. I, I will. I will point out that uh, the wonderful thing about GitHub is that you can go to history and find the garbage that you checked in that you might be more oh, comfortable well, looking at. Garbage code. We don't want to do that. Um, Just a thought. No, I know, but we don't want to look at that. But so, like. I have a question, and this mm. is like really important. Are you trying to do a truly Bayesian, um, you know, regression model, or do you want to trivially just sort of like take a maximum likelihood estimation? Um, I don't know because I am not entirely sure what I'm doing. So, okay, this this is kind of like basic, completely pointless model that I sketched out, right? And um. This is what I'm trying to represent in code, this idea that you have certain stocks that have certain units of value in them, and then you have the flows that are basically rate of change going from one stock to the other. Um, all this is great, super easy, love doing it. But the reality of it is that a lot of times with the stuff I'm trying to model, like I don't know an exact value. That's not a realistic component of the model, but I know what a likely value is, right? And I know what an unlikely value is. So I thought it would be interesting to sort of inject a little bit of probabilistic programming into it and allow people to express models by taking values and saying like, look, I don't actually know what this should be. It doesn't have a default value but I have a, a probability distribution of what the potential values of this are and give me some, I, I think essentially the, the big thing that I'm curious about is can a model run with probabilities kind of give you an idea of how stable the model is, right? So that question of like how far away from the mean can you get before you start, the rest of the model starts to get into an unsafe state? And uh, how likely is that? Another version of that question is how far away does it get from the initial conditions of some sort? Yeah, that's like sure. for sure. But um, I mean, uh, it sounds like you want a Bayesian, like you just want, you just want, you just, yeah, you just want a Bayesian model. So the right thing to do in that case is you define your distributions, right? You have your distribution types. Mm -hmm. And then um, you just have a sampler that samples from your, from your prior distribution, which is what you would encode and gives you a posterior. And then that is your error boundary around your model output. 
Yeah. So that that was sort of the question I was asking in the beginning, because like this, this model will run for, let's say, five steps, which means all of these rates will execute five times, which means all of these units will change depending on, on the rates, right? Yeah. And so I was looking at this in terms of like, well, we could keep if we say that this, this big stock right here is like a, a distribution, right? We could keep that as a distribution and like, I guess, alter the distribution, which eats uh, iteration of the model, or we could say shoot off some potential values given the shape of that distribution and run that model with those potential values and say like, okay, this is what this model looks like with the like highly likely values. And this is what it looks like with the outlier values. And this is the difference between them. Uh, and I'm not sure which one is the more sensible way of going. I know which one I is. Mean, they're both sensible. It just depends what you need, right? So like, okay, so, you know, in frequent statistics, right? We just, we just literally take the maximum likelihood of, of mm. our distribution. That's all we do, mm. anything. And that like gets us most of the way. And then you put confidence intervals, you know, against some things sometimes. And that's like how you measure uncertainty in your model, right? And that's it. Um, like, and then the Bayesian approach is you start with a distribution you sample against it and then you get a posterior and your posterior, if it's the right you know, prior distribution, like going into your thing, you, when, as, as, a, as a matter of course for your optimization strategy, you end up with a, like, a posterior that like, is small and gives you reasonable hour ba error bounds. And then it's just obvious what your like, prediction is. So both of those things are reasonable. It's a question of what you want and it's a question of like what makes sense for your setup. I think so. What I what I want to answer that in a easy non-math way is the ability to find situations where you have one part of the way your model is configured that is really really volatile, right? Like you're hanging by a thread here. If that value wobbles just a little bit, like the entire model's behavior shifts pretty dramatically. Are we to talking be able to... statistical model? I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Sorry. Mm, it's not really a statistical model. It's a, it, they're called compartmentalized models, which is not useful. It's like, it's just a system model. Okay. All right. I'm with the same. I'm with you now. Thank you. Sorry. So you've got some, okay. So you're talking about modeling physical systems with probabilities. Yep, That's what exactly. I mean, I think you should just model it as a PGM. Like, okay. that's really what you want, I think. PGM, literally just doing a prediction on that, given all those conditional probabilities, will literally return to you the state, like the, 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 your overall system risk, um, because it'll, like, it'll predict it, like, you know? So, yeah, because um, you just set, like, failure, like, your failure condition to be, like, true, and your, like, success condition to be false or vice versa, depending on how you feel that day. And then you just literally do a prediction. I mean, you could use a neural network, you could do something else, but then you don't have, it's not obvious how your system is gonna operate. Yeah. You know? um, so like, I, I see why you looked at this paper because you wanted an uncertain type. Um, but like my, my honest recommendation, you need to go a step further. You really should just be thinking about this in a model context. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think I, if generally follow what you're saying. I'm just trying to like process this from a like parsing standpoint, right? Yeah, like so all of this information will be in the model, but it will be determined by the person writing the model and yeah. then like getting the compiler to then essentially encode that 
into uh, how the model runs, I, I, I feel like I have to like have a, a montage of me in a library somewhere, like digging, <laughs> like so, all of the books. This shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. This shouldn't be that hard, right? You just have an implicit. You just have an implicit statistical model embedded in your compiler that like does the prediction. So really, you just need just. some reference implementation. Hmm. There's not. It's not more sophisticated than that. If you you pull any reference implementation, and I'm not claiming that like the PGM model is definitely the right one. I'm claiming I think it is. I think mm. you know obviously you need to consider this further. But some statistical model should just be embedded in your compiler, and like literally you're just running a model, um, and that's it. Like you're running a statistical model uh, over this space, and the engineer encodes the probabilities or the distributions, and then either you return a Bayesian thing or you return a frequentist thing. So you're either returning, you know, this is the probability of success and this is the probability of failure or they're returning a distribution. It's like, here are the, th the cases where you failed, here are the cases where you succeeded. Okay. And it's that simple. Okay. Um, There's maybe actually, and this goes a little bit with the, um, the paper in itself is what you, and this is just thinking, if I were writing in your language and trying to build the, build a model with these things, what I would want is a, is a failure predicate. I want to be able to say, right. this is what a failure looks like. Right. It's when, say, this box here on the bottom right is totally empty or something like that, right? Right. Um, and what we're doing then is this sort of simple case is like, okay, everyone has their initial conditions and we just run it forward with integers and everything's fine. Um, and we can tell if it hits that point. But what then you're asking is, okay, if I have a distribution over these things and I run it forward, do I ever hit that? Yeah. And um, that's similar to a PG. I think what I'm tying it together now is then you can sample the heck out of it and some of those will fail and some of them will fail with some amount of probability and you can tell the user then what failed. And then also this goes a little bit to my history thing, but not entirely, but it's kind of the, it's all about conditional probabilities where you then say, okay, for the failures, what I saw was here were the other states I started with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's sort of like um, in the same way that first order logic in an SMT solver, like is, does not actually run the model. It just like defines a, a, a huge number of uh, Boolean rules and then like deduces all of the possible states and tells you if you have something that violates your constraint, like the, the probability, the statistical model behind the scenes isn't actually running any of the model it is simply like calculating the statistical probabilities and identifying places where the constraints are, are violated and like I mean, other conditions are present a way you could think about it is it's running simulations yeah that's the trivial case it's just yeah. it's like literally it's actually trying things like from a sampler and it's just literally saying okay so here are my parameters on my distribution and then like I'm going to just run a bunch of cases and then we're going to see what kind of probabilities I get, or we'll see what results I get back. That's how Bayesian like, yeah. you know, samplers work. That's how yeah. Bayesian statistics works. So, you know, that's all you're really doing. So you just like tried the model a bunch of times. That, yeah. That's you run your code forward. You've already got it working for the like static case of a single integer. So just run it with a bunch of different integers. Pulled okay. Yeah. So that, that, that is what I was sort of thinking around the second option of like just pulling a sample and running the mod, the uh, simulation a bunch of times. 
That's essentially yeah. what we're talking about. Yep. I just didn't know any of the fancy words for it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I mean, academics need to get paid somehow, right? So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm teasing. Uh, all of these terminologies are actually super important, but like, yeah, I can get really confusing. There's just a lot to think about. So now my, my question about this approach is, um, since it's, it's based on sampling, does this get more and more complex if we add more and more uncertainty to the model? Uh, well, I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, as the model gets bigger, you'll need more samples. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive computation. Right. Yeah. That's but what I mean. For a lot of these things, yeah, that computational cost is a part of the business of doing models and B is <laughs> Yeah, I kind I kind of want to stop short of the this language can only be run on GPUs that you uh, yeah. pay like millions of dollars for. <laughs> but I don't think you're going to run into that soon. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. This is true. But you know, I wasn't satisfied with this answer. I'm okay with a little resource intensive. Most formal verification is a little resource intensive, but I want fault models to be runnable on normal machines. I want models too big for a single laptop to be really, truly outliers. So I kept thinking about how to break the model up into small and runnable parts. Like, could we structure models into modules that in effect act as black boxes from one another? Each flow is a function where maybe we calculate the range of possible return values given what uncertain values are in scope. Holy shit. Holy shit. Guys, wait. Holy shit. I think I got it. I can take the flows function and represent it as an SMT. A logic puzzle like normal formal verification. But if there's an uncertain value, the compiler will generate SMT that solves for that value negating the assertion so that we are only looking for scenarios that result in an undesirable state. Then we can take the probability distribution and the solution presented by the SMT solver and see what the odds of our uncertain type actually having the value the SMT solver has given us. I think that will work. More to the point, I know exactly how to implement that. Don't mind me, I'm just doing a victory lap around the internet right now. You've been listening to Marianne Wright's Programming Language. Special thanks this week to Eric Schloss and Barak Michener for their time, advice, and encouragement.